Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Still here in Vegas, NBA Summer League with Will Hardy, the new head coach of the Utah Jazz. Will, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's been uh, it's been a fun last week. A lot going on. Do you, do you still wake up in the morning and like open your eyes and go and have to take a minute to like process? I'm the head coach and in Utah, and everyone's going to come to me with a thousand things today. Yeah, um, I definitely. It's sinking in more and more each day. Um, you know, just not only the the responsibility that comes with it, but just that every day is a kind of a moving target right now as we're you know in this transition phase. And um, you know, I'm lucky that I have a lot of people that are helping me get through all this um, on our staff, and it's been fun. I, the way I describe it is, it's it's been noisy, not stressful. You know, it's funny when. When you take a job over, Will, sometimes the job is being offered to you. It's open because the last coach did not have success, was losing. There's, quote, unquote, a bad culture. This is a fairly unique NBA situation and that the coach you're taking over for had very good success. You know Quinn Snyder well. How have you looked at that when you talk when you come in to talk about implementing how you're going to do things, but also knowing there was habits and a structure and things in place that aren't necessarily worth overturning, right? Yeah, I, I actually look at it as, you know, a, a point of strength, you know, almost a little bit of an advantage. You know, I, I do know Quinn well and did an amazing job here. The organization is in a really, really good spot right now before I walked in the door. So the infrastructure that, that was set up, you know, not only by him but by the rest of the staff here in Utah – has really put me in a position where I can focus on the big things um, because all those things are already in place. So I'm actually thrilled about it. Like I really look at it as a a point of strength for us right now and and something that's making this transition easier for me. All the advice you get from people about sort of the first 30, 60, 90 days, putting a staff together, the summer, getting known to the players, is there one or two pieces of, of this period that resonated with you about how you sort of handle the initial window of time of getting things in place? Yeah, I have gotten a lot of advice on it. And the best advice I've gotten is you just you just have to take it as it comes at you. It's easy to have a plan. It's easy to have, you know, the PowerPoint presentation that says, this is what I'm going to do in my first 90 days. And then day one is completely different than you thought. And things come your way that you weren't expecting. So it's that as well as, you know, accept help from other people. Like let the staff help you, let people help you because there's one of the transitions for me right now is that there's so many people in our organization that are looking to me kind of waiting for orders at at times it feels like like how can I help you today and that's a weird transition um, because you know 12 years in the NBA I wasn't giving the instructions like I was carrying out the actions of for the head coach and and for the the organization so it's it's weird transitioning to that place of like delegating like you are the person that gets to do that and getting used to like not feeling like I'm putting people out or putting them in a tough spot or 
adding stuff to their plate because they're all looking at me going, no, this is what we're here for. Um, so that's been an, an interesting adjustment for me. And I feel like I'm getting a little bit better at it every day. Cause we have so many people here that are like just ready to help every day. So from the day, will you accept the job? Obviously there's dramatic change on the roster. You get hired. And I think one of the first things you do, you reach out to your players on the team and that starts with Donovan Mitchell, Rigo bear. What's that been like? And, and you know change. You've been in the NBA long enough. You know change comes. Decisions are made. You knew that. I think you knew the Rudy a Rudy trade was a possibility. There were a lot of possibilities. Right. You could have just stayed here. What was that like in the first you know short window of time to you know you reach out, you start talking, and then all of a sudden you look and you you've got a very different canvas to start thinking about preparing off of right. for training camp. Yeah, you know. I've said that to start this process, I'm really not as concerned with the basketball part right now. I really want to try to give the time and attention necessary to the relationships and getting to know the players on our team and and the staff. Um, I want to get to know them as people, and I want them to get to know me as a person before I'm a coach. And so, you know, those transitions have huge basketball implications for us in terms of how we're going to play and what the team will look like in between the lines um but for me i'm i'm really just focused on the personal part and so yeah when i first got the job i reached out to all the guys on the roster and then i just treated them like they were guys on our team and then when things change things change but we weren't going too deep into x's and o's or tactics or style of play or anything like that so it's really just been about the personal part. Um, obviously, in your head, you're thinking about you know what's coming and training camps a couple months away. Um, it's hard to fight that, but I'm really just trying to focus on those personal relationships right now, understanding that that things do change sometimes. You have history with Donovan Mitchell. You got to know him being around USA basketball right. with Greg Popovich and you know different iterations of the national team and summers. How valuable was that, that like you, you had a reference point with him when you walked in the door? Yeah, it was huge. Um, I was fortunate to get to know Donovan in the summer of 2019. Those USA basketball experiences are so unique because you get really big blocks of time with guys. Um, you're out of the country, you're, and you're in this little cocoon of like – it's, a, it's, it's just the travel party, and there's really nowhere to go. Um, so we got to spend a lot of time together. I remember spending time, you know, I would take Donovan the film after every game and put it on his laptop. He always wanted to, to watch the film. And so I would end up, while the game was loading on his laptop, we would just sit in his room and chat. And sometimes it was about the game, and sometimes it, it wasn't. It was about life or a TV show or whatever. And, you know, so that, since then, every time I see him during the season, we would always chat pregame or postgame and, you know, I, I never thought that this would be the situation that our relationship would be in where I'm the head coach uh, of a team that he's on. But I think, you know, we started at such a good point because when our relationship started, we weren't trying to get anything from each other. Like it was very normal and natural. And, um, you know, we were just two people that were a part of the journey with USA Basketball. So I think it's really given us a, a, a head start and I'm excited to, to work with him. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your time in San Antonio, a decade plus, and being around a head coach in Greg Popovich who put a great deal of value on building those relationships, is that in your mind where, I guess, the value of it, the importance of it, and, and how to do it organically and not in a forced, contrived way? I mean, how much does that influence maybe how you deal with players, how you've learned to build relationships with players off of the relationships you were there, you know, from the video room to the back of the bench with Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker. And you see that there's ups and downs to them. It's not always just great. Right. But how head coach and players work through stuff and sort of have that baseline of trust that allows the thing to keep keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Pop and, and the Spurs are such a great example of you know, caring about the human part before you care about the basketball part. And I think those relationships just give you a foundation to be able to be honest with each other. Um, There's moments during a season where you have to have hard conversations and there's moments during the season where everybody's frustrated and you're trying to figure out solutions. And that, you know, personal capital that's built up, it allows you to have those moments of, of real honesty with each other. You know, and I'm lucky that I've had a lot of coaches in my life that I still have close relationships with. Like I, I experienced this in my own, albeit unimpressive playing career. Like I still talk to my high school coach once every two weeks. I still talk to Mike maker who coached me in college once every couple of weeks. Like those guys like cared about me as a person. And I, we always had such a great relationship. So I feel like I've been on the other side of it too. And you know, both those guys had to have hard conversations with me as a player when I wasn't playing well. So I, that's the part of basketball and of team sports to me that I enjoy the most. Like, I want to win. I'm very competitive. But the stuff away from the court, the relationships that can last you for a lifetime, like not to sound cliche, like that stuff is important. And that's the part that's fun. You know, you mentioned Tony Parker. I, I saw him last night, you know, here at Summer League. And it was really cool just to catch up. Like he was so excited for me and, you know, he's making jokes about the first day you came to San Antonio, you know, who would have thought that you'd be here. And it's just fun to carry those relationships on. Like basketball is super important, but there's so much going on away from that, um, you know, with families and friendships. Um, yeah. It's, it, to me, it's the best part of team sports. When you think back to the beginning in San Antonio and you go from intern video room into coaching meetings 
What was it like when it's it's Greg Popovich and a staff that was it was a highly accomplished coaching staff and a championship level team? What is it like at the beginning where you're trying to how should I speak up? When should I speak up? Do I have the confidence in what I'm about to say to speak up? What is that like for someone who's working his way up and you're walking into one of the great dynasties in league history? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to find that footing sometimes of you are in a coach's meeting with, you know, it's not just Pop. It's, I mean, Mike Budenholzer and Brett Brown and Jock Vaughn and Ime Udoka, James Borrego, Ettore Messina. I mean, the list of people that I've worked with is unbelievable. And, you know, you, you better be prepared. And I think that's where it started was like I watched all those assistants interact with Pop for years and very rarely were people just shooting from the hip. Like they had done research. They had really thought through these arguments that they had to bring to the table. Um, because it is, you know, it's it's intimidating, especially when you start out. You know, I think I was really lucky as the video coordinator. I spent so much time with Pop one-on-one -on -one watching film that we ended up having some one-on-one -on -one conversations or disagreements about a clip. And I think he did that intentionally. Like he would always kind of stoke the fire a little bit and in situations where it was kind of obvious what the right thing to say was he may take the other side of an argument just to see if I'll fold or not but we had those those one-on-one -on -one times where I developed a, a little bit of a comfort with pop and so then when you go to the meeting room I'm comfortable with pop and so if there's a moment where I have to disagree with him you know, I've done it a little bit. That being said, it's hard, man. Like you always are second guessing right before you say it, like, should I say this right now? But he always created such an atmosphere for all of us as assistants where he wanted debate. He wanted disagreement. He wanted us to, to really dig in and try to find the right answer. So I feel really lucky to have been a part of all that. And also to, to be able to have grown sort of organically within the organization. It I never felt like it was too much all at once. Like I just kind of slowly kept bumping up just a little bit. To me, one of the most fascinating two-year windows that I've, since I've been covering the NBA was the window from 2013, Spurs losing in game six and game seven, being as close as you could be to winning a title and right. the, the balls tip back out to Ray Allen and then game seven, to the next year, the training camp in Colorado, and the climb back up the mountain, and then absolutely destroying Miami in that final. Really just, and you saw, I remember talking to Manu about this, and the emotion, we were talking about that, um, the clinching game, and him being in the huddle, and you guys were winning big, and he was, do you remember talking about, like, take it to 15, take it to 20, take, right. like, let's, you know, and it was like, I just think I just wonder about being around that team and seeing the absolute devastation after you lose and wondering I don't know can we climb it again and right and being around I just wonder what that was like what you remember learning from it and does that stretch stay with you like it would some me on the outside looking in it, it just felt like a just as unique of a window and time as you could ever have being part of a, a team yeah no doubt it sticks with me um that was not fun until we won that year was probably the hardest year 
that I've been a part of in the NBA because there was so much frustration and some anger and you know some devastation from that year before like I mean I remember being in the locker room after the finals like I'd never seen I'd never seen guys like just so broken in that moment like how did this just happen but then to come back the next year like I've also never seen a group of people so possessed with accomplishing something um you know coaches a lot talk about like doing hard things and all that like for that group to dig in and do what they did that year is still one of the most impressive things I've ever seen because as we all know NBA seasons are long and so it's not like you get the gratification of winning you know two months later hey we're going to just bounce back and we'll win this tournament and then it'll be over it's I mean you got to go 82 games and then you got to gruel through the playoffs and I mean the series that's net that's never talked about in that championship year is we played Dallas in seven games in the first round. I mean, we were down two one. Vince Carter hit a game winner in game three to beat us and you're in the locker room going somewhere in your head you're like, Are we really gonna lose in the first round after all that? You know, just the determination of that group, the leadership of, of Tim and Tony and Manu and Pop, like to really drive us back to get the chance in the finals and then ultimately to do it was it was really special to be a part of like that. I have a great sense of pride to have been a part of that group because, you know, that was just such a collective effort to get that done. When you look at that as a training ground, all these experiences are adding to what you're going to be as a head coach in the league. Is there a part of you that's like what we had there was so unique and may will probably never be replicated that my base of reference on the NBA and team building and, and all the things, I'm never probably going to experience anything like that. The uniqueness of the players and the group, that that how it, how you have to look at going to build your own team in your own environment, that it just can't be, I'm going to replicate what Pop had. I'm right. going to replicate what that is because how do you take from that but know it was almost a utopia? Yeah, I feel really fortunate to have, have been a part of the San Antonio Spurs for 11 years and to have had all those experiences. You know, I'm not Pop, and I know that, and he knows that, and he's given me that advice for years. Like, don't try to be anybody but you because players, coaches, the NBA, the the world sniffs out people that are not being authentic to themselves. Um, I guess the best way I can describe it is, like, I, I feel like I have very similar values to pop to the spurs but my personality is different than pop and i have to go about this in a way that is authentic to me and that's my goal as as we start this process is like i have to do it in a way that is authentic to me and to my personality like i'm not trying to replicate pop and I would love it if Tim Duncan was on our team, but he's not like, these are just unique, not just players, but people. And I think we have some great players and great people in Utah. And so I have to try to help them create an environment that's authentic to them. Like I think our team in San Antonio, my experience there was, it was just as much, you know, Tim, Tony and Manu's personality as it was pops. Like it it was the collection of those people created that environment that was so unique and so it's my job to to try to help create that environment in utah where it's 
it's authentic to me, but it's also authentic to Donovan and to the rest of our players where we all feel like, no, this is representative of us and how we want to do it. The decision to leave San Antonio and go to Boston with Ime, mm-hmm. what were those conversations like with Pop and, and Ime about this is a step that's going to be beneficial for me? Why? Yeah, Ime and I had worked together for seven years in San Antonio, and we had developed a really close relationship, you know, not only as coworkers, but as friends. And so we had always talked about basketball and program building and what do you like about this or that um as assistants always do and then he left and he went to philly and then he was in brooklyn and i remember talking to him while he was there and he always would say to me how good it was for him he was seeing something completely different he was seeing a different part of the nba he was dealing with different players different organizations and and learning how to be you know, flexible in those situations. And so he had always talked about it with me. And, you know, I I was receptive to it. Like, I understood what he was saying. So then he gets the job in Boston, and he, he calls, and it's sort of like, hey, man, remember that thing we've been talking about? You know, let's do it. And to be able to have that opportunity with somebody that you know and you love and you care about in email you know, Brad Stevens' reputation speaks for itself, the kind of human being that he is, like he's going to be the president. You're like, those are people that I could see myself doing it with. But it was it was hard. It was a hard conversation with Pop because, you know, I felt I felt in in debt to him and to the, the organization because like I'm I'm comfortable saying that I worked really hard and that I tried to be a good person. But I'm also not naive to the fact that, you know, the Spurs, the Spurs made me in some ways like they they continued to give me opportunity on top of opportunity, and they were always so good to me and my family. And so it was hard. I went to Pop, and basically, you know, it's like, if you don't want me to go, I won't go. And, you know, in typical Pop fashion, like, he never for one second made me feel guilty or, like, how could you do this to me? Um, he was very matter-of-fact. Let's talk about the good reasons to go and let's talk about the negatives of going and let's talk about it and he and I sat down and had a really long conversation and by the end he was great he's basically you have to go you had interviewed for other head jobs in both San Antonio and and then coming to Boston you were sort of a product of the pandemic interview era right lots of zooms yeah and lots of people in the little boxes right when you're interviewing what was that like? Because you, you you interviewed. I mean, we go through. We reported, you know, New York and Oklahoma City. We can go back. Those were Spurs, and then into Boston. That was sort of a period of time where, like, what's that like trying to sell yourself into the little boxes <laughs> on the on the laptop? Yeah, I, you know, I used to joke with my wife, like, you know, I'm I'm clearly electric on Zoom. Like, this is just. I'm really good at it, like joking, sarcastically. Like I always felt like I bombed every time on Zoom because there's no human interaction. There's no eye contact. There's no body language. There's no there's no personal connection. I feel like, and I get it's you know you have to you have to do what you have to do, but it's just a it's a stale environment, and it's hard to to create those little personal connections. And so I walked away from every one of those Zooms seriously thinking like, I think I bombed. Because 
people aren't really giving you much feedback. They would ask a question and you're answering and you're talking into the screen and you don't really know where to look. And then it ends and everybody's just kind of staring back into their screen. And then somebody else <laughs> asks another question and you're going like, oh, this isn't going great. Um, it, it's hard. I think there's so many there's so many people in our business that are just like their dynamic personalities and they're they're fun to be around and sit with face to face and then you put them on a zoom and it's like we all become robots in some ways um it's clearly not something that i've figured out yet you know i I kept telling my wife with the utah thing like let me just get to the face-to-face one somehow let me get to the in-person interview and then i'll feel like i have a chance um if i can just get in front of them and be with them in person so the Zoom thing is really hard, man. There's a lot of coaches obviously going through it. Um, I feel for them. What was this one like with Utah, Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, Ryan Smith, Dwayne Wade? Once you got, like you said, past that and you're able to get in front of those guys, how did this one feel different than the others or the just the connectivity with that group? Yeah. What, what was that like? It was um... – it was stressful at the end because I really wanted it. And I got there. I had felt good about our conversations kind of leading up to it. Not that I had done well on the Zoom, but I had felt good about who they were and like what they were representing as people and as an organization and what they wanted to do. And so when I got there in person, you know, you're you're nervous because it's it's important and you'll want it at that point, right? Like you're like, no, I'm I'm close. And so when I got to sit with all of them individually, you know, for over an hour, each person got to have individual conversations. And after every conversation, I was like, I thought we got along great. And I think this person is really going to be important for me. And so when I finished the conversations, it was like this pit in your stomach. Cause you're like, you just start thinking like, what if I don't get it? Like, I'm going to be devastated because that group of people you just named, like as a collective, I can't think of a better group for not just a, a young coach or a first-time coach, but any coach. Like their their you know variety of experiences, whether it's in business or Dwayne and Danny's playing career, but Danny's also coached and Danny's been an executive for he's been in the NBA forty-four years, and Justin's experience as an executive and you know that group collectively, like they just provide such a unique support system for a coach because they've seen this from so many different angles. So I was I was sick to my stomach for 2 days and when I saw my phone rang and it said Danny Ainge on it like I turned to my wife and was like this is either going to be awesome or I'm like not going to speak for a couple of days. And I went in the other room and took the call and thank goodness the call was what it was. What does a coach want from management, from ownership? What what should a coach want from them to do the job? Honest communication, a shared conversation of where you actually are as a team. I think sometimes people get on different pages of like where the team actually is. And then support. NBA seasons are hard and they never go as planned and they're never perfect. There's always a rough patch. Even, you know, teams that win the championship have a rough patch in that season. And I think the ability to just maintain 
kind of some emotional stability is is huge because the coaching part is already emotional like you're front and center and the wins and the losses they weigh on you um so i think just having that that support every day from them and the ability for you to have open and honest conversations about the reality of your situation is what you want as a coach would you have imagined when you think about when you started in san antonio to go from intern video room back of the bench front of the bench you know you look at the resumes of other coaches and they might start to get interviews in their 40s and they might get their first job at 46 47 or they may never get a job when all of a sudden you start to get interviews in your early 30s and then you start to get i think deeper into processes and you feel like maybe the first time or two I'm getting an interview. I'm not sure I'm going to get the job. Right. And then you start to interview for jobs. You go, I think I can get this. I know you never know with the clock, but were there times where you said, like, this is moving pretty fast? Absolutely. You know, the the first interview I did was with the Knicks, and I got a call from Pop to say, hey, the, the Knicks have reached out, and they would like permission to speak to you. And my response seriously on the phone was, but I don't, I don't want to go be an assistant for the Knicks. Like, I like my job here. Like, I'm cool. I don't need to, like, move up on the bench or anything. And Pop goes, no, no, no. They want to interview for the head coaching job. And I was like, Pop, this is Will. And he's like, I know. I was like, okay, hold on. I need to take a second and, like, think about this. Like, it came out of nowhere for me. Um, so, yeah, like, I was – surprised and humbled and honored and all those things like you're just wait they think of me like that and then you just feel again like in these moments and like right when I got the job in Utah like the first thing I thought about was like all the people along the way and all the the dominoes that fell in certain directions to kind of lead me here like there's a lot of hard work that goes in but there's also a lot of mentorship from other people and them giving their time and energy to teach you and there's a lot of good timing, you know, people taking jobs in San Antonio that were above me that allowed me to move up, like I said, organically within the organization. Most time in the NBA to move up, you have to go somewhere else. And so there's a lot of good fortune in there too. But yeah, when this all, when all the interviewing for head coaching jobs started, like I was really taken aback because I didn't, I never really thought about people looking at me like that. You mentioned about, you think about people in your life and, and getting there, you know, you lost your dad a few years ago mm -hmm. and you know, there's different landmarks in your life with your own kids. And then you get a head coaching job. I imagine when you're in Salt Lake and you know, Danny calls and you got the job and you agree to a deal and then you go do the press conference that I would imagine that's one of the moments where you think, boy, I wish we were sharing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I lost my dad in 2015 to ALS. Um, he was diagnosed in 2013 that's a nasty disease and I feel lucky that I didn't lose him abruptly like I got to have a lot of conversations with him that I probably wouldn't have gotten to had you know his life ended more tragically I guess so like that's my silver lining of that part is like I really got to have conversations with my dad that I wouldn't have ever thought to have um but yeah like when when there's a big moment like that like you do I, I miss him I wish he had been there to celebrate that with us because he he was always so supportive of me like doing this job you know this job is hard on families you miss birthdays holidays weddings 
funeral. I mean, you just miss a lot. And that's part of this job. Like, there's so many positives to this job, but time is hard in the NBA because the schedule is, especially now, it's 365 days a year. Like, this is not the season and the off season, you know, see you when school's back in session. Like, it's not like that at all. I mean, you know that more than anybody. So, yeah, like, I wish he was here to see it because I think he'd be he'd be really, really happy. Yeah, I, I miss him. When you look at Utah, too, it's an organization. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the Spurs and Pop and R.C. Buford will always talk about when they started out, they were trying to emulate the Jazz. And Dennis Lindsay, when mm-hmm. he was running the team here, would talk about having been in San Antonio and remembering those, a little bit of a circular thing because this was a place that had the same coach, legendary Hall of Fame coach Jerry Sloan for a very long time and right. had a, just had stability and had a way of doing things and, and had a program and, and had great success. Um, but for the most part, and even though ownership has changed, that it's been a place, and Danny Ainge is somebody who values the position of head coach. Like people, you look at Doc Rivers early in Boston when a lot of people wanted him to pull the plug, and Danny said, this is on me. I haven't gotten good enough players. Like right. we're not, he withstood a lot of pressure and hires Brad Stevens, who's a college coach. I think gave him cover to a coach that that has to be organizationally. Um, listen, you have to have success wherever you go and it's going to be measured in different ways, but, right. but just sort of having that coming in that you've got sort of that bedrock of that, of this place. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge and a responsibility that, um, you know, I don't take lightly. You know, after the press conference, we walked out onto the arena floor, and obviously I've been in the arena before, but it's a way different feeling when you come out of the home tunnel. And then you look up and you see Jerry Sloan's name, and you see Stockton, and you see Malone, and you see Frank Layden, and you're like, oh, Like, this is a big tradition in Utah. And this is a place that has had a lot of success and has deep pride for not only like what the organization has done, but how they've done it. And that's from ownership. That's to the the people in the organization. That's to the fan base. Like we have a crazy fan base and I understand that. That's also the exciting part of this is like, it's meaningful and you're going to have a lot of people in your corner. Um, that want the team to be great. Um, It's been walking around Salt Lake last week and having people on the street say like, welcome to Utah, we're really pulling for you. Like, it's been fun. Um, That stuff is super energizing. And, you know, I I, I really look forward to it. Well, this was great, Will. Your first first 100 days on the job, you are... (laughs) well into it but yeah. uh, i appreciate you taking the time i know you got uh more summer league uh more summer league to take in here but i know we'll we'll catch up soon absolutely Walsh. thank you
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.